Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Hi, Geekscapists. The Geekscape podfather, Jonathan, here. In May, we lost one of our own, longtime Geekscapist Christopher Ellis, who was a friend and a part of our geek community from the very beginning. Chris even met his wife Sarah through our podcast, and their 2015 wedding seemed like a giant Geekscape party. Chris's final weeks battling in the hospital shed light on a huge national problem. The COVID pandemic has almost completely depleted our national and local blood banks. These supplies are used by thousands of hospitals to provide life-saving treatments to patients or to buy enough time for loved ones just to say goodbye. So for the next month and beyond, we're going to do it big in Chris's memory and do some good in the process. We're throwing a blood drive. Visit www.aabb.org to find a donation center near you or visit other blood and platelet donation centers like the Red Cross. And let's make things interesting. For the next month, take a selfie of yourself donating with the hashtag GeekscapeGives and tag your favorite Geekscape podcast. We'll pick some charitable Geekscapists to send prizes to and the podcast that gets mentioned the most We'll also get some cool rewards. I should actually cancel the podcast that gets mentioned the least. Can I do that? Whatever. The point is, go out there and donate some blood, tag a selfie of yourself doing it with the hashtag GeekscapeGives, and get others to do the same. We couldn't save our friend Chris, but we can do a whole lot of good in his name. Geekscape forever! Another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week, we are talking about 2004's Shaun of the Dead, as picked by Brian. Brian, I feel like it goes without explanation, but let's explain it anyway. Why did you pick Shaun of the Dead? Dude, I love this fucking movie. I have always loved this movie. Weird. So I remember 
buying this VHS. I bought three VHSs in one swoop. Mm -hmm. I bought Shaun of the Dead, Orgasmo, and then First Blood. I don't know why. <laughs> I think that's your personality. Great triple feature. Man, it was like, it's one of those things where you appreciate, I appreciated it as a child. And then I, I've seen it so many times throughout my life and at different phases of my life, I appreciate it for different reasons. And I think, so this is the, I, I only wrote like two or three notes down because I've watched this movie so much that I'm like, I got this one locked and loaded. Like I barely even <laughs> needed to do a rewatch, but I'm glad I did because I caught at least one quote that I didn't catch before that's foreshadowing. And most of this movie is foreshadowing. So much foreshadowing. This is the foreshadowing most... Callbacks. I wrote down that this is the most symmetrical film that's ever been made. <laughs> and I mean this. It's going to sound insane to say this about a zombie comedy. This is in the contention for one of the tightest screenplays that has ever been written in the last, like, 20-something years of cinema. You just mean, like, everyone had a line in the beginning and then said that line at the end in a different context, I no, feel? not like that, but, like, there is not... We talk all the time about wasted space in the movies that we watched or, like, unnecessary scenes, but, like, there is no scene in this movie or no... Really, I could even go as far as say there's no line of dialogue in this movie that is not setting up future things in the movie, even in ways that you don't even think about. Like, the line that I missed a million times watching this is when they come home drunk and their roommate starts screaming at him and he says to Nick Frost's character, yep. if you want to live like an animal, go live in the fucking shed. And yeah. then at the end of the movie, he lives like... It's like stuff like that. There's not yeah. a wasted sentence in this screenplay. I love it. Uh, I, you know, there's uh, there's so much shit that I noticed this time because I was not just letting it wash over me. I mean, I just I I I haven't watched this movie probably in ten years. Um, great movie though, fucking awesome movie. Yeah. Um, I have nothing bad to say about Shaun of the Dead, and I hate zombie movies. So there are two zombie movies that I can watch and not be pissed off. It's Shaun of the Dead and Return of the Living Dead. Like, it's it. I, or maybe Fido. Yeah. But Fido even is a special occasion because it's not... It's not as fun to watch as these two are. I mean, it's a great concept, but it, it drags and, like, there's... It, it just doesn't hit. Like, not everything's a fucking beat. You know, the jokes don't hit, you know. But, I mean, like... Well, so what's funny about this movie is I do have one slight critique, and it's of giving everybody Edgar Wright too much credit. Because I'm assuming that he... Simon Pegg and Nick Frost all co-wrote the screenplay. I didn't actually look it up. I him, and, him and Simon Pegg did. Yeah, him okay. and Simon Pegg wrote it, and then it's based on when they were making the show Spaced, Simon uh, Pegg yeah. and Nick Frost lived together. Gotcha. So it was, like, pulled from their experiences of being roommates together. Okay. Um, but, like, that's... From, from what I understand, the set of Spaced, they all became really good friends with the whole cast. And that's why pretty much all of the main cast of space is in this movie, either as major roles or like small roles, like the girl who is the, 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 like the more motivated version of Sean. Yeah. That like keeps popping up is so, the main girl from space. Yeah. And I'm assuming her boyfriend is in space because he's a pretty big actor for such a small role. So that was, so I just found this out too from the IMDb trivia because I don't watch that many BBC shows, but now like it makes sense is that scene. So not only is there the joke that there's that row of people that mm -hmm. are like mirror images just yeah, of each yeah. other, 
the mirror images are all castmates of a show that they were in with the person that they're mirroring as well. Yeah. So, so like, so like Sean and her were in space and then it's like the next couple were in the show black books. And then like the next couple were, but like, it's like, that's how deep the like meta reference on top of meta reference and top of, on top of an Easter egg goes is like making sure that they would cast someone from the same show as the actor who's playing part of the main cast. Like it's so insane. And I can't remember what movie, if it's Bridesmaids or Baby... There there was one movie where it's like the fat, bald British guy. Yeah. And I can't tell if he is playing Ed's replacement or not. I don't think so. I know what you're talking about, though, with Bridesmaids, because I think he... It's Bridesmaids, right? Yeah, he went on to be the new co-host of Great British Baking Show. Yeah. I I was like... I, I felt like such an asshole. I was like... There's there's no way that I'm thinking of the same guy because, like, you know, I don't think that guy was in this movie. But you say fat British bald guy, and I'm like the 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 guy from Great British Bake Off. <laughs> you know. Yep, that's the one. I, I need to I need to get back on topic here. Um, oh yeah, so you had your one complaint. Yes, my one complaint about Edgar Wright is that you know everybody thinks that he's this amazing cinematographer. Um, you should watch Shaun the Dead because he's not. I mean, he, he, he's gotten better, but he didn't, like, come out of the womb good. You know, like, Shaun of the Dead is actually not very well shot, you know, in my opinion. See, I like... I like that there's a lot of, like, long tracking shots. Like, those are Yeah, those are to, great, like, but they're also yeah. on... They're not on a track. They're, yeah. they're like, being held. And I'm thinking, like, I understand this movie was, you know, low budget, like all zombie movies. and Which is, like, weird because it doesn't look low no, budget. No, no, it looks like, good. Based, but they also the have no, it, yeah. there's no CGI in it either. So this is all very yeah, DIY in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's, well, that's the thing is, like, we always complain about CGI. And the only, I was actually, you know, like, doing my hair today, you know, getting ready yeah. for the day. And I was thinking about CGI and how, you know, in demolition man when they had the the fast food wars and taco bell one yeah that's demolition man right yeah that's Demolition Man. i feel like we're in the movie wars and disney is going to win there's just no (laughs) and and like so if you're not if you don't have fuck you disney money you're not going to be able to make effective cgi anymore so just go back to doing diy practical effects We'll appreciate it. We'll thank you. That's what we want. You know, like, that's what horror movie fans want. That's my only critique is that, like, I think that that watching this after watching Baby Driver, you know, you're like, oh, he had to learn a lot, you know? Yeah, he grew. He grew a lot. I mean, I still still, think that he's got more of a visual eye for, like, a directorial debut. There's a lot more risks than, say, I mean, I know I'm going from, like, one end of the spectrum to the other. But like compared to say, I don't know, Clerks as a directorial debut where it's like, I don't know how to edit. So I'm just going to plop the camera in front of people and they have to do a 10 minute monologue with no edits because I like, you know, what I mean, like, did Kevin Smith is, get again, better? I don't know. Did he? <laughs> no, not really. He actually got progressively got worse. Money. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, no, I it just looked better. That, that's what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, is that, like, did he learn how to cut? Like did, did he got better, uh, you know, production value. But. I mean, like his writing never really got better, in my opinion. No. I think it just worked better in other movies, and then he went off the rails. And now he doesn't know how to make it work in what used to work. Like, yeah, that's but the, like, that's that's the thing. Is like he's, he's, he's I don't want to shit, shit talk him. No, as he's a, a good dude. He's good, a good, good person. Dude, yeah, but, but yeah, he's got the Adam Sandler thing. 
where he's yeah. just <laughs> stuck in a box of his own design. Um, yeah. And, you know, like they can make whatever they want. People are going to just crap their pants in, in, jo- in happiness and enjoy it. Not me, but there are going to be people that are going to be like, yeah, I'll watch anything Adam Sandler did. But then there are also going to be other side that people are like, I won't watch anything that Adam Sandler does. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's the like, same man, thing. He's, it's almost he's Adam Sandler is a great comparison because it's almost to the point. It's not totally to this point with Kevin Smith, because the movies that meant a lot to me by Kevin Smith hold no candle to like the movies I liked by Adam Sandler as a kid. Like they didn't hit on a personal level. Right. In that way. Different style. But like, but like there is that point where it's like, man, Adam Sandler also like seems like a pretty down to earth chill guy, but his movies have been so aggressively bad that (laughs) that it almost hurts the movies that I liked as a kid. Like it almost hurts the nostalgia of the stuff that I know is actually not bad but i'm just like oh it's adam sandler i'm a little nervous you can like, never go home my friend that's just no the way you it cannot is. there was well, an episode so, of quantum leap about that <laughs> that whole <laughs> that whole show is that um so the the, the thing is, is i want to talk about nick frost for a second so uh, he is just a really abrasive person yeah. in in everything i've ever seen him in and it's so funny because simon Pegg is just such a, a gem you know and he seems like a really down to earth dude it's really funny because I feel like when you see interviews with Nick Frost, he's so like monotone. And it, it he almost saves makes it for you the, think, yeah, yeah. Like it almost makes you think of like when you watch like candid interviews with Weird Al Yankovic, right? Like when he's not like being Weird Al Yankovic, and it's like, or even Rob Zombie, like they're just like these very soft spoken, quiet people, but then they like have to perform, and they're just like, hey. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like Nick Frost is like Nick that. Frost like, is like he, his is like fuck you cunt is like his yeah. his you know <laughs> exactly his his character. So one of the things that I think is so funny for I was reading so much IMDb trivia because there's just a lot of it for this movie, unlike the movie that we talked about last week. But one of the things that Nick Frost did was every morning he shaved his testicles <laughs> because he wanted to have a reason to naturally constantly be scratching at his crotch. So from a method standpoint, he just would shave them so that they would always be itchy. (laughs) I can tell you as a manscaper of 20 plus, or let's just say 20 years at this point, consecutively, they aren't itchy the day of cleaning, of of shaving. Two days later is is when they're itchy. So I think that that's a lie. I think Nick Frost is just lying to us. And then More like the other Nick Faker, <laughs> how dare he? And Brian, you've talked about on the show like your issues with running zombies, and there's a great quote from Simon Pegg where they asked him why did he choose to stick with slow walking zombies when running zombies were all the rage at that time, and his answer was death shouldn't be an energy drink, <laughs> which is such a good quote. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we got to put that on a shirt. Holy fuck, that's good. <laughs> but yeah, even like one of the things that I guess I I realized that I haven't seen this movie for a couple of years and TV technology has grown in that time. So this was the first time watching on like a really big blown up screen. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that the one scene where that couple's making out like I know that it was like they're making out. He goes into the bar and then they come out and they're still making out. And then the girl's like a zombie killing the dude. I didn't realize that she like straight rips his head off. Yeah, his head falls back. And you know what I didn't realize watching this before, you know, this this current um, viewing experience is that Aunt Hilda 
is in it. I love that. Yes. Yep. I was like, oh, oh, she's she's so sweet. I miss her. I miss when Sabrina was good. Maybe I'll rewatch the first season. <laughs> mm, probably not. You know, like it's yeah. just how I just I that's okay. That's another you can never go home thing. Is like yeah. Chilling Tales. Chilling Tales of Sabrina is that what it's called? Whatever. Yep. The the mm-hmm. new Sabrina was good, but I probably can never rewatch it because. You know what it became. I know what it became. And also it's only the supporting cast that's fun because Sabrina herself is just so obnoxious. So I have a question for all of us. And then I just want to bring up something first before that. But it's not a secret that I'm a crier, that I'm an easy (laughs) crier. I got to say, I forgot how emotional the scene is where Sean's mom dies actually is it's in this so movie. It's so uneven. So, And that's yeah. also something is that like the third act, I've been realizing this about myself, the third act of like zombie movies in particular, but a lot of a lot of like disastrous movies. So even The Thing or where everybody dies, you know, anything where everybody dies. Yeah. I don't like the third act. I like the first two acts. Like I didn't watch all three acts of Return of the Living Dead last time I watched it. I watched the first two. You know, yeah, it gets really nihilistic towards the end of any of these movies for sure. But I thought that and the scene with his dad, his stepdad in the car, like those are two like really well done emotional scenes kind of just like plopped in the middle of this movie. Yeah. And I get what you mean by them being uneven, but I actually think that it's it's kind of to the benefit in the same way that we talk about, like where comedy has a place in horror because it lulls you into that area of comfort and it makes the scare work more i think because you've been having such a good time laughing that scene i think is really important because up until that point you've only seen the stepfather and the mother through sean's eyes of how he's perceiving Mm. them as a guy in his 20s and then like to have that that scene with his stepdad where he reveals like I was being hard on you because I know that you can be more than you're allowing yourself to be. And you never had anyone push you in that way. And then like, it builds that really great scene where like the whole movie, he keeps saying, he's not my dad. He's not my dad. And then she's like, you left your father in the car. And he's like, he's not my dad. And she goes to like, correct him. And he's like, no, he was my dad. He's not now. Like, it's yeah, like, that's a great line. Love that yeah. line. And I don't, I mean, like I, it, it never stuck in my craw before watching this, you yeah. know, this round, but I mean, I, I, but I also, I really like Bill Nighy in general. I mean, he's just a great actor yeah. and you know, it just, I, I, I'm always tickled whenever he shows up in anything that we, or anything that I watch, even if it's not for horror movie night, but then also the mom, uh, Barbara, which is, yeah, that's a great reference because he's like, "We're coming to get you, Barbara." Um, no, what a great line! So what a good. Side, side note: They sent this movie to George Romero to get his blessing before they released it, and and apparently, George Romero didn't get the reference. Like Simon Pegg was like, "Did you like the Night of Living Dead quote that we put in there?" And he's like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "When I call my mom and Nick Frost yells." I'm, we're coming to get you, Barbara. And he's like, that's in one of my movies. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's typical Romero, just classic. And there's part of me that wants to believe that he was just being cheeky at that point. But like, Maybe. I also could see him like that movie's what, 40, 50 years old. And I'm sure like he you watched don't it rewatch your times movies when he was editing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is like, and never it, thought about it again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it probably shat that script out in a day. You know, it's just a very, these movies become bigger in our minds than in, and also this is about music too. Like albums become so much bigger for the listener. I was just about to say 
listening to the Krista Makes podcast, he brings that up all the time where he's like, I haven't listened to Losing Streak nearly as much as the less than Jake fans have listened <laughs> yeah. to Losing Streak. Yeah. Like, he's like, I don't drive around listening to my own music. He's like, when we're going through the demoing process and the mixing and the mastering, like, absolutely, I'm listening to it and I'm like critiquing it or I'm getting really excited by how good a song is. But like, once the record's out, like I've been living with that record for almost a year. Like, yeah, you're done. Old, you're absolutely it's done. Old news. Yeah, well, and, like, and also like producers in particular, like they don't re-listen to their material. Like my producer, the guy that mixes and masters and does co-production for with me for Console Crash, he doesn't re-listen to my shit, and that's fine. Like yeah. I, I totally get it. I wouldn't, you know, like. <laughs> I, it's, uh, it's, sorry, I, I mean, like, if I was a producer and I was producing someone else's record, you are just in the weeds, just tiny well, microscopic details. Podcast, how many people have, like, told us that they've listened to our entire catalog, catalog like, like, four three, times, four like, times. I, and it's like, <sighs> I listen to it once when it comes out, and I listen to it again when I'm putting together the best of list. And, like, the best ofs I'll sometimes revisit. Just because it's like, all right, this is like a year consolidated into like the best stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but like, I'm not just like, going to pop on episode four because I remember that it was fun God, to I, record. I honestly wish that we could. I, 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 part of me, like, people that listen to the show from episode one, I'm so sorry because I know that I have. <laughs> matured we as a person grew. um it's been six fucking Brian's years like a totally different person from who he was episode one uh, <laughs> yeah very funny but yeah brian brian gets to play horror movie night on easy mode because he doesn't have the full back catalog of the embarrassing shit that we used to say i say we mostly it's me i definitely grew in my in my ability to to speak and emote and to uh, my understanding of cinema i mean you have to because yeah. you do it for so long but Man, like the people that listen through from episode one, how the fuck do you make it through the first episode, first 50 episodes? Like I just, I, I can't go, I can't go. And that's even after two years of you and me on Reddit Horror Club. Reddit so Horror like, Club. yeah, I, and that, that shit is even worse, I'm I, sure. I mean, I said this to Scott, but obviously we're recording this, the, the same day that we're recording this, the best of year six came out. And that episode because they're pretty much in order of release, like that episode plays out as you just hearing us figure out audio issues from like <laughs> yeah, the for first a year. clip up to the last, last clip. Yeah. So the question that I have for you guys, obviously this was none of our first watch. Are there any jokes or lines that still make you laugh like all this time later? Of course. Dumb shit, dude. Him mocking uh, Nick Frost the zombie. Yeah. And then he's like, all right, let's see you do it. And then he does, he's like, that was pretty good. And then Simon Pegg's <laughs> proud smile right after that. It so, gets me every fucking time. So similar to, the, I think my favorite scene in this movie, and it's about the sh the way it's shot mixed with the absurdity of it, is Simon Pegg standing next to that child's playground ladder. And he's like... All right, I'm gonna go up. I'm gonna go up and see how the situation is, and it's just a static shot of him walking up the three steps and then walking back down with the most concerned look on his face. Yeah, you know what's actually really cool that you don't realize where it's like when you just watch Shaun of the Dead, even as a kid, right? You watch Shaun of the Dead, and he's like, "You never heard of a shortcut," and the scene is just not that funny. But like the fact that it becomes when it's those three in a movie that's in every movie, you start to adore it. 
like yeah, every time it's it such comes a up, dumb it, joke <laughs> yeah it comes up in world's end it comes up in hot fuzz it comes up in in all three movies it's like you never heard of a shortcut and then something happens <laughs> when they try to take the shortcut the other line that made me laugh really hard and it's such a stupid line but it's when they're sitting on the couch and they're watching tv and the TV's warning them to like bolt the doors and cover up the windows. And while that's happening, you see the one zombie guy walk in in the background and they turn around and Simon Pegg just goes, oh, and his arms off. You know what I noticed <laughs> for the first time watching this? This is the first time I, I ever noticed it that I really because I love a good cheesy pun is at the end when he's flipping through the channels and they have like the zombies on a uh, like on the bungee cord trying to get the meat. <laughs> The channel's called Fun Dead, and I thought that was <laughs> so That's good. So one that I didn't pick up on, IMDb had to tell me this one. When he's in the opening scene where she's like, you're going to take me out on a nice date, and he goes, yeah, we'll go to the place with all the fish. When he opens up the yellow pages, if you pause it, there's two jokes in there. Joke one is that the name of the restaurant is Fulci's Restaurant, yep. which is like a... but. The full name is Fulci's Restaurant, the one with all the fish. <laughs> That's the stuff where it's like, you literally took the time to make a fake phone book page just for this joke for someone to pause on a DVD player one day. I got to backtrack a little bit just to defend my guy because I'm a little too quiet. This is a great first movie for Edgar Wright in every sense of the word. Yeah. I'm sorry, Scott. <laughs> Yeah, I, no, I, I think what Scott's saying, though, he grew. He grew no, for no, sure. No, 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 yeah. Although like, I got yelled at yet last night, so I'm hesitant about how much I love things, which you guys have brought up with Zom- Rob Zombie, but Jade brought it up with Wrath of Man, where it was just like, it's an okay movie, but you're obsessed with Guy Ritchie and you refuse to say anything he does <laughs> is a bad movie. <laughs> um, but I truly think, like, the writing, the jokes in this are, are, are all made. The editing is everything I want as far as like, I didn't, I knew this movie before I knew Guy Ritchie, but I could tell he definitely is a Guy Ritchie fan with all the quick cuts of like the shots hitting the table, the doors unlocking, throwing the shot back, like all that shit. But the humor, just him buzzing in and he's like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to climb up the wall? Cause I'll do it. And you just hear him like the suspense and you just hear a thun and it rings again. (laughs) Hi, it's me again. (laughs) (laughs) But even that, like that's the thing that's brilliant about the script is like, that is a funny bit that comes around again when he actually scales the wall to save them. Like, it's like, there's not a wasted joke. That's not setting up something in the second and third act. Like it is unbelievable how good this movie is and it's like we're not breaking any new ground this movie's been around for almost we're getting close to 20 years since this movie came out like we're not the first horror podcast to say that it's amazing and we're not going to be the last but i think that i mean we're we did almost 30 minutes which is a pretty high record for us on on liking a movie so uh brian double feature this bad boy well actually i got one more thing to say and then we'll go to double features because i was fully expecting you to say this so okay. I didn't want to take it because you're the facts guy. But there was actually <laughs> the a sequel. Guy. There was a sequel for this movie oh, that was yes. going to be made. Yeah. From Dust Till great, Sean. From Dust Till Sean. <laughs> great title. And they just it wasn't going to be zombies. It was going to be a different monster. But they're like, ah, it's a perfect standalone. We killed off too many people. But where Scott would like it is the movie poster from Dust Till Sean is actually in Spider-Man into, into the, the Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse. 
It's in one what? of the alternate realities. Yeah. That's so cool. But Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. All right, Brian, double feature. Um, I would double feature this. I'm trying not to stick to Edgar Wright. But I, I would. There's nothing else to do. I, I would want to watch Hot Fuzz right after this. Yeah. I just Hot Fuzz, Hot Fuzz <laughs> is like, I still don't think it's nearly as good as Shaun of the Dead. But I remember seeing that in theaters and not expecting it. Because I'm like, oh, it's just like a dumb cop movie. I did not expect it to be as gory and graphic as it actually <laughs> was when I saw it. <laughs> I think we saw it in theaters together, me and you. And I didn't like it. And then my second time I did because I didn't get what I wanted, but what I got was better and I couldn't appreciate it. Like Shaun of the Dead was the horror parody and this was going to be the action parody. And then once it became that it was still a horror parody, like a cult horror parody, I was like, this sucks. I don't like horror or cults and I never will. Oh, man, that egg (laughs) on your face, buddy. So I don't know about the Coronado. I think it's what it's called, the types of ice cream that they they call it, like the Coronado trilogy. because he's eating one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so each one he eats a different ice cream flavor because there's three flavors of that ice cream. But they also intentionally did – there's a strawberry flavor, so that's what he gets a strawberry Coronado here because it's a zombie movie uh-huh. and there's blood in it. He gets a blueberry one in Hot Fuzz because it's about cops, and then yeah. he gets the lime-flavored one in World's End because it's an alien movie. <laughs> like, it's that's like, awesome. fun. Like, those stupid little details that they care so much about, which is such a British thing and so not an American filmmaker's <laughs> thing. Uh, Scott, how about you go for your double feature? So my double feature is most people probably be like, oh, it's going to be Return of the Living Dead. No, I'm going with a movie that I watched. I think it was a 2020 film, actually, or 2021. I know it hit Shutter this year. As I was watching it, I was like, man, this is very much like Shaun of the Dead. Not as good, but good enough for a double feature. Boys from County Hell. You guys watch that one? It's about I vampires. I've heard people saying good things about that. It's good. It is good. It, I, I, it's just, once again, it's not... Nothing is as good as Shaun of the Dead, you know, like it's no. it's quite a quite a delightful film, but definitely fun because then you get your vampire 
pastiche and your your zombie pastiche. All right, so I'm gonna is gonna be a shameless plug in one sense, but not in the other because I don't even know where you can find a copy of this movie anymore. But did either of you know that Geekscape produced an award winning documentary about zombies? Yes, you yeah, have told so, me. So Geekscape made a documentary called Doc of the Dead. The filmmaker who made it has made a bunch of very popular documentaries since. Uh, he did People vs. George Lucas. He did the documentary about Psycho. He did Origin of Alien. And he did Leap of Faith about the making of The Exorcist. It is starring Jonathan London. He walks around and like he does some stuff as Super Action Man. He does some stuff as Jonathan, just regular old Jonathan. And it is fully narrated by Simon Pegg. Uh, so Simon Pegg is one of the stars of a Geekscape produced documentary called Doc of the Dead. If you can find a copy of it somewhere, it's actually a pretty interesting watch. It's not about the history of zombie movies. It's a documentary about people who think that the zombie apocalypse will happen and how they <laughs> prep for it properly. <laughs> um, there's a scene where Jonathan drinks his own pee. Wait, for real? Yeah, they put Jonathan through like, if there was a zombie apocalypse and you had to live in a bunker, how would you survive? And he does all of their survival tactics, including like, peeing into a bottle like in Waterworld, filtering it out and drinking it. And like, oh, he goes he to like, a, it out. that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, did you guys catch that they that they made a, a joke about 20 days later in the end of Shaun of the Dead? No, what did they do? No. When uh, Sean and Liz are sitting on the couch at the very end before he goes out to have, because um, I just caught it. And I also have another question about a reference that maybe I'm thinking too hard about it. But anyway, um, in... The very last scene there, second to last scene, they're watching that TV anchor, right? Yeah. And he, he says something about, they, they're talking about where the, the virus came from. And they said something about dispelling the theory that it came from rage-infected monkeys, which is absolute bollocks. And I was like, that is crazy because oh, I think nice. that 28 Days Later was only two years before year. this movie. Or yeah, yeah, it was 2021 or 22, yeah. So or yeah, 2002. 2002, and this was 2004. Yeah, so like it's it was very weird that that must have been the at the very end of the movie because they just wanted to add that like ref that that modern at the time of writing it reference. Just very funny. But the other reference is something along the lines of if you'd like to come along, dot dot dot, join us. And I'm like, is that an Evil Dead reference? Might, yes. That might be a stretch. It's no, it's it's at least on IMDb. They said that there's two potential Evil Dead references in the movie. One is that and the other is that Sean is filling in for the employee Ash and he doesn't yes. really go into detail about it. Gotcha. But it's like in an appliance store. So mm -hmm. like, yep. <laughs> but um, all right. So, Brian, what is something you watched, listened to, made, etc. that you want to talk about? I read... The Inglorious Masters screenplay. Oh yeah, like you said that days. you were gonna get that. Yeah, so Dude, good. So good. It's like, and I don't understand why. Maybe one day we'll find out why they decided that Hateful Eight was the one that's going to get the extended release broken up into like a show because the screenplay fills in so many gaps that's not in the movie that makes so much. Like you pretty much explain. In the movie, if you think about it, like Shoshana, oh, family gets murdered by the Jew hunter. She runs away. And the next thing you know, she owns a cinema and is like <laughs> pretending to be a citizen. But basically what happened is she ran away. She, she stole a nurse's uniform from a hospital, went to a movie theater, 
the movie manager like met her they have this conversation and pretty much the movie manager helps her like hide there gets her fake passports she ends up dying of some disease and like that's why shoshana owns the the movie did there's just so many things like that where it tells the whole story like it would probably be a boring movie i'm not saying it shouldn't have been cut i'm just saying there was nothing from the hateful eight because i watched the six hour hateful eight and there was nothing where i'm like well i'm glad they cleared that up you know (laughs) (laughs) i know i have someone gifted me uh it was called like kevin smith two scripts and it's like the clerks and chasing amy scripts but i know what's been sitting on my amazon wish list for a really long time is there's also a John Waters two scripts that's like <laughs> Pink Flamingos and Desperate Living. Like it's like I'm kind of curious what the screenplay for Pink Flamingos look like because on theory it should just be two pages and then just yeah what happens in scenes. Like. One more one more thing I want to bring up and uh, about the script is when you're Quentin Tarantino and you're making Inglorious Bastards. Read, don't read anyone's first script like you can. Like I read Lockstock, but when someone's super successful, read their script because it's so fucking entertaining. Like Quentin Tarantino is like, I know I'm making this movie. So it's just like right before the Nazis get there, he just puts these little notes to himself where it's like, and Shoshana closes the door. At this point, there's no going back. All the way, baby. All the fucking way. You know what I mean? Like, because it's like, this is my movie. I'm making it. I'm not selling this script. I love little stuff like that. Uh, I mean, my favorite tidbit has always been that the American Pie screenplay, since they didn't have a name for the movie, the the name on the front of the script that they sent to studios was just a teen flick that you can make for $10,000, but make quadruple that at the box office. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know what? If you're going to make somebody who's a script reader actually pick up your script and read it, that is not a bad way to start. Scott, how about you? You got anything to promote or talk about? Yeah, yeah. I started reading What the Hell Did I Just Read, which is the third installment in the John Dies at the End series uh, by David Wong. It came out in 2017. I didn't find out about it until 2021. It's just like, he's fun. He he does the thing. I love the way that, that David Wong writes in a sense where it's he knows my bullshit tolerance and he just touches it you know it's like he's just (laughs) just under too bombastic you know and and it's quick reads like i've only cracked it open twice in the last couple nights i mean like last two nights or three nights whatever it was and i think i'm like you know 60 or 70 pages in which is good for me because i just fall asleep when i'm like when i'm laying back prone and i read in bed you're gonna get maybe 15 minutes of reading you know like i'm not i have to sit at a desk facing down to to truly get into the meat of a book but you know over the weekend i i started it and it's just a really it's a breeze, uh, and it's just like, um, it reminds me of why I like John Dies at the End, and this book is full of spiders. He's just a really entertaining writer. And after that, I am finally going to read Odd Thomas, because I found a hardback cover of it at the thrift store a couple weeks ago. And I remember when we did a, a discussion on that, oh, a lifetime ago on this show. Episode um, 7. <laughs> holy fuck. Yeah, that, that was another lifetime. But yeah, like I remember... I think that in the group, people were saying that the book was much better than the film. Um, and it's, you know, critically re- critically reviewed and or not. Uh, that's 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 uh, that's not the right term. That's a Schitt's Creek re- yeah. reference. But, you know, it's 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 it was a success. It's a really good book. So I'm interested in trying was, that. I'm, I'm going to critically reviewed the critic- reviewed album. <laughs> 
<laughs> a little bit of Lexus. Uh, um, yeah. So, right. and the irony is that I'm actually wearing my um, "The Crows Have Eyes" three the crowing shirt that Megan got me for Christmas so today, and that wasn't even an intentional reference. It just is up in my brain. So there we go. Um, that's a that's an embarrassing way to end the show. Good job, guys. My job, my fault, right? No there. problem. I've got. I still have to go. Oh, oh, thank goodness. At the time that this is coming out, we are either just launched or just about to launch the new Geekscape YouTube channel. Brian and Scott have had a front row seat to me deciding to just put more work onto my shoulders. <laughs> so so go stop. and check that out. If you haven't yet, subscribe Geekscape TV on YouTube. Um, obviously, constant live streams, highlights from some of the live streams, and now random top 10 lists and factoids. Uh, I know that by the time this came out, there will be a video about Frighteners uh, and my love letter to Frighteners on its 25th anniversary. Check those out because a lot of time and energy and effort went into them and I hope more than like 30 people watched them. <laughs> we'll make you viral, buddy. Yeah. All right. So that was Shaun of the Dead as picked by Brian. As we're nearing the end of summer, it is extremely important that I mention that if you haven't already, send us your listener submitted picks to hmnpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we've got a couple good contenders, but there's always a chance that you can send us an even better one. So send us a good, interesting email to read. No, like, single sentence, hey, watch Jaws Revenge, period. Signed fan. Like, we want something <laughs> that we can really dig our teeth into reading these emails. That's going to be in September. But until then, we're just going to keep on doing what we're doing. So tune in next week for more horror movies. I don't know. Everyone has a podcast now. Well, not really. What is true is that, according to Nielsen statistics, 55% of the U.S. population, that's over 155 million people, have listened to a podcast, and 24% of the population, that's 68 million people, listen to podcasts weekly. And these numbers continue to trend upward. What's also true is that over 75% of all podcasts fade away after the first few episodes. It could be for a variety of reasons, lack of strong concept, poor production value, people not realizing how much time needs to be dedicated to it, or simply just not knowing how to get the word out about podcasts. That's where WeKnowPodcasting.com comes in. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have a combined 25 years of podcast experience, and we can help you achieve your podcasting goals. Whether you need help starting a new podcast or want to take your currently active podcast to the next level, we got you. From consultations to concept development, from theme music to editing, promotion, animation, graphics, you name it and we're here to help. Don't become another failed podcast statistic. Let us guide you and help your show become a success. Check out the website at WeKnowPodcasting.com. And even if you're on the fence, don't hesitate to reach out. We're friendly guys, we're passionate about pods, and we're here to help. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Thank you. 
Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 